Welcome back to the Renaissance and Our Times podcast. Hope you're having a great day. My name is Richard. I will be your host today. And we are going to talk about the work of Ian McGilchrist as an introduction today. So we're going to look at 10 key insights from his work for those who have like are new to his work. And then we're going to talk about uh, three practical tri- tips for improvements. So... Ian McGilchrist is a psychiatrist and a writer and a philosopher, and he wrote a book called The Master and His Emissary about 10 years ago, and it has had a profound impact on so many people's lives and the understanding of how the brain works and how we actually have, in some ways, two brains working. They are connected with the corpus callosum, but they are of two different natures and they can do many of the same things, but they do it in very different ways. So we're going to go a little bit more back to this, but um, we're going to then see how he is explaining so many interesting aspects of this in a, a YouTube series of 50 short episodes. It's about three hours altogether, but many of them are just really uh, practical and interesting and mind-opening uh, descriptions of how the brain works. So we're going to look at now 10 key insights. So the first one is then again two brains. So the research on this or examples or also some proof of this is that you can you can split the brain into two parts as they do sometimes with p- patients with epilepsy. So you cut off the, the corpus callosum and then people are still functioning very well, but there are some deficiencies. Uh, but it also then illuminates and shows how different the, the two brain hemispheres, or to make it a bit more clear, to avoid like the uh, implication or the idea or kind of inferring that these are two parts of one machine, uh, especially since machine has been a metaphor, uh, unfortunately, in some ways. But like instead of thinking that the two halves working, there are they are two separate parts. So the reason, just a bit of the backdrop, is that this has been, this applies to all animals, from the from the smallest, smallest ones, bird brains, bigger mammals. They have two brains, two brain parts, and they work in different ways. And the basis of this is very simple. It's um, most likely this comes from the need to, as an example, eat find food food and eat and uh, be alert of your surroundings and predatory detection at the same time and these two these two activities are kind of opposites to narrow your focus to find a little for a bird to find a seed on the ground and then pick it up and eat it requires an enormous kind of limiting of your brain energy into one specific little task to stay alert in every direction of predators requires a full openness and just kind of letting it all flow in so this is how the two different brain or brain parts have then been shaped so they have a very different approach to the world, being focused, systematic, trying to manipulate the world, and being open, taking it in, and trying to see the whole of things. So the first one is in the left hemisphere, and the other one is the right hemisphere. They're also in conflict sometimes. 
So again, still at the first point of having two brains. When you have a split brain, you have seen patients then doing contradictory things for with the different arms because one arm is connected to one half and the other arm is connected to the other. So you see people then taking out, uh, for example, in their closet, taking out one um, one piece of clothing and then the other one, the other arm takes it and puts it back and chooses another one. So kind of your two brains can have different preferences. Uh, and also you can see people who then both try to hug and push their spouse away <laughs> at the same time because the brain the brain parts are not uh, in agreement of kind of in a specific situation how to behave. So this goes back to kind of how the, there is in your own head this constant back and forth and this cooperation between the two brains, two brain parts of how to how to act and how to understand and deliberate and and just learning from from the world. Okay, all of this was from the first point, two brains. So the second one is then one brain is for focus and manipulation and the other one is for overview and letting it all flow in, as we alluded to already. Uh, a great video for this one is an exercise to balance your brain's two hemispheres on this list of 50 episodes. Number three, the focused and systematic brain, which is the left hemisphere, is supposed to be embedded by the overall hemisphere, the right hemisphere. So this is how the brain is supposed to work naturally, biologically, that the left hemisphere is embedded by the right hemisphere. And because the right hemisphere is overall and uniting things, the left hemisphere is separating things. And the next one, uh, when the systematic one rules, it then cuts off the other brain. So this is the problem if you are too much using your left hemisphere and that becomes dominant, it tends to cut off the right hemisphere or the right brain because it is by nature separating and dividing. And then, next one, the left hemisphere is blind to everything it doesn't know and reacts with aggression. This is a very, very important point and also very practical. So the left hemisphere, the systematic one, the focused one, builds a little model of the world and then it only sees the model. It doesn't see the real world. This is in some sense very much described in phenomenology in the South that all the idea that the only thing you can relate to in the world is your representation of the world is to a large extent exactly how the left hemisphere is working. And it's also then important here that it's it both most emotion is in the right hemisphere, but there is one emotion in the left hemisphere, which is aggression and anger. So if you start poking at someone's uh, kind of more fundamental axioms of their model of their world, you will usually get a very aggressive reaction because this is how the left hemisphere is working. And also the left hemisphere is, is blind to everything it doesn't know. So if it, it's not in the model, the left hemisphere doesn't see it and it doesn't even acknowledge that it exists. Okay, next one. Relationships. So this is a deep one. Relationships to people, to nature, and to the divine. As McGilchrist is suggesting are the three fundamental relationships we have. People, nature, and the divine is all in the right hemisphere. This is uh, the video called The Three Overarching Relationships That We Are Losing Today. Next one. The differences are largely found through studies of strokes and brain damage. So this is not... Um, found through kind of neuroimaging uh, like for the most part or 
uh, hypothetical models. This is just seeing when people have a stroke in the one or the other brain or brain part, then you can see how there's like an abundance, enormous amount of research and empirical evidence about how this affects people. So it's a very kind of, in this sense, a very practical field of study, even if it's very deep into neuroscience. Next point, reason is great, but, there's a huge but here. So reason, rationality tends to tilt the brain into left hemisphere dominance and thus dismissing everything it doesn't know. So this is one of the dangers with, with only like the pure reason that it shifts your brain into using just one brain, which is more systematic focused. It's not holistic. It doesn't take in things and it, it limits itself strictly within the model that it has built. And it's also then aggressively dismissing things. Uh, often, if it's, if it's fundamental things, it will di aggressively dismiss any new information. Even if it's obviously accurate and rational and factual new information, it will be dismissed. Okay, next one, number nine. The tilting of the, of the brain towards the left hemisphere is a very slippery slope. Because, among other things, it's very self-reinforcing. So when you get left hemisphere, left brain dominated thinking or in a culture that becomes the kind of the, 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 the dominant mode of, of thinking or experiencing, then this is reflected again through the culture, through architecture, through your own habits. So it will be reflected in the world you create around yourself and then in a, in, a, in a village or in a city or in a larger scale. And then that will again just stimulate the left hemisphere. So for example, like how, let's say, nature is being more and more removed from many people's lives. Then, and the more you remove nature, because the left hemisphere is not that interested usually in that, it's more, that's, that's the right hemisphere. So the left hemisphere will then the less you see of nature, the less stimulation you get for the right hemisphere, and then the more domination the left hemisphere will then get, and then that will keep eradicating, removing, for example, then, in this case, nature. So it's self-reinforcing kind of a spiral movement when you start tilting to one side, especially, well, to the left hemisphere side. And then, last point, number 10, we can rebalance, this is one of the main, really main takeaways, we can rebalance the brain actively ourselves through habits and awareness. And this could give a richer experience of life and a better ability to apprehend the world, understand the world and human nature and make good choices long term. And it can also build much better personal relationships, which is one of the most important and beautiful <laughs> and enriching things in life itself. So those were the 10 key insights and introduction opening uh, to get some idea of the work of Ian McGilchrist. And then we had three practical tips for improvement, which turned out to be seven when we had finished it. <laughs> so number one, read the book, The Master and His Emissary. So this is the, the big, big, um, was, it could have been the masterwork of, of McGilchrist, but now he is going to, to launch another book next month, 9th of November. 
which seems to be maybe uh, even broader in scope, but the master in this hemisphere is going to be the that book which just revolutionized the, the view of the brain and it introduces a very different way of looking at the two brains, two brain parts, compared to much of what came before, like 20 years ago and earlier. It was seen very much, uh, it was modeled very much upon the left hemisphere like a machine with two parts and functions in one or the other part. And also very favorable for the left hemisphere because it was made by the left hemisphere <laughs> earlier than 20 years ago. Now it's more like a uniting and more like a, a balancing way of, of modeling, which also corresponds better to empirical research. So that was number one. Read the book. Hugely recommended. Number two, spend half an hour per day in nature, if, you are, if that is possible, uh, or with painting, playing music, using the body and other things that will stimulate your right hemisphere. The body is an interesting part because, or interesting point here, because the structure, the, that's, if you want to say the, the wiring for your, for your body, is in the right hemisphere. So when people have a stroke in the right hemisphere, they sometimes lose the ability to recognize their own body. So you have lots of examples. There are books by Oliver Sacks that are super fascinating. One of them is called The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat, which points to the same kind of deficiency or damage. But he had examples of, of, um, of patients of his that, that they wake up and then they find a foreign leg in their bed and they try to throw the, the leg out of the bed. It's their own leg, but they can't connect that what they see is their own body because there's a damage to the right hemisphere. So just meaning that if you do exercise uh, of different sorts and just using your body, you are stimulating your right hemisphere. Okay, number three. Uh, there's, a, there's an exercise in one of the videos from McGilchrist where he talks about how you can balance it kind of in an instant, which is you can try, but this is complicated to do, but you can try to focus small at, at something kind of very narrow and very wide at the same time. It's a bit complicated to do. But it's, it's like you, you in your mind, you try to really focusing and narrowing your thought to something very specific. And at the same time, try to be aware of everything and alert at the same time. Because if you do that, you are fully stimulating both of your brain, brain hemispheres at the same time, which is a way of balancing them. And there's also some, something of um, both being aware and, and conscious and familiar with your two different brain hemispheres and how they, they work. And if you do this for a while, it will become automatic and it will become very natural. Uh, not quite like the difference between your right and your left arm, but to some extent you can recognize which one you are actively using. Okay, number four, study Dante's Divine Comedy. <laughs> this is a huge favorite of ours, but that's one work of literature where this is consistently on almost every page. Uh, you have this balance being reinforced over and over and over again. It's written 700 years ago, but the thing with this way of writing is that it unifies the material and the spiritual over and over, especially after the first book. Inferno is a bit more practical material, but especially the second book. And then what you are doing then is you are stimulating both through... He has so many descriptions of 
like logic, reason, science, and then something about the heavens or about emotions or about symbolism, uh, the deeper truths in the, uh, in the Greek myth. And it's all put together so you will constantly get this unification, unifying of the, the worlds and the activities of both of your brain hemispheres. And then also there's a great thing in this that you have then that the, the aim is to unify. And so the, the right hemisphere is constantly trying to unify the two worlds. The left hemisphere is constantly trying to split the other one off and block it. So they are not, <laughs> they don't have the same agenda. The right hemisphere isn't out to shut off the left hemisphere. It wants to unite. And it also wants to unite kind of both the activity of, of the left hemisphere, which is to separate and, and to, to, uh, to split up and to analyze and build models with its own nature to unify information and inf like just this inflow of, of, ex of experience. So number four, turn off left hemisphere input. So just this goes back to the awareness to uh, just note when you get really focused in something, for example, scientific or something that's very much like a model that you 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 keep churning inside of your head on some kind of a, uh, an argument or a model of something, just be aware that this is the left hemisphere then working and then find ways to turn this off in, in short time periods. And then the two ones are a little bit different. So one is to contemplate numbers. This is a little, it's an old trick from the Greeks to have some way of uh, apprehending an immaterial reality. So this is a bit on the side, but, but if it works for you, this could also be really helpful. Uh, this goes to the idea that uh, you had materialists in, in Arist Aristotle's time, that the er only thing that exists uh, is atoms, like material reality. But then they had the idea of, well, let's say, for example, like they had this issue with math and numbers. So you can think of the concept of number five, like does the concept of, just as an example, five does it exist without having five things five apples or five atoms does it just exist as an idea or as a concept and if so you can think that where does this concept exist and how long has it existed and then you will find out that the concept would exist beyond space and time and then you're already far into the to the to the more right hemisphere uh, holistic way of apprehending the world and then you, you start asking questions that would make the left hemisphere back off a little bit. So it could be a little bit kind of uh, like dissing uh, thought experiment, but it, if it's used the right way, it's another way of, of stopping the left hemisphere for having full control. Okay, the last one is <laughs> a little bit like a soft one, but it's just like smile. So it's about just trying to get out a big smile, be positive and bright and life embracing in your attitude and that would also just make these things fall into place very much almost by nature the brain will have to some extent an inclination to make this work in the right way that you have a balanced way of using your two hemispheres and the harmony between them and then this uh, more uh, embedding uh, and, and unifying nature of the right hemisphere to be what is for the most part uh, in charge of your own brain. 
And then this is also like, this will be self-reinforcing in itself if you kind of manage to apprehend a, a sort of a, an attitude to life, to the world. <laughs> this could uh, massively help in getting this balance back. And that was the seven uh, or th three, <laughs> three practical trip, uh, tips for improvement. It's also tempting to just note that this is, you could see this, for example, in the Renaissance, that that was, and this is also Michael point, that was a, was a point in history where you could see a culture that is really well balanced with the two brain hemispheres, and that created this incredible explosion of beauty, of arts, and of new sciences. So that's just something to keep in mind. Okay, so we're going to stop this one here. That was about 20 minutes uh, as an introduction to Ian McGilchrist's work. We are very much looking forward to his new book that is coming now in just about three weeks. And um, maybe more, um, some more focus, more, uh, more talk and, and uh, reactions and discussions, conversations about his work. And then it's really helpful to have these, these basics about his, his uh, work on the brain and the brain parts and the brain hemispheres uh, as, as your own foundation for understanding these conversations. Okay, so with that, hope you're still having a great day and uh, a good week. And as always, thank you so much for listening and see you again in another episode.